white shirt in industrial blue, even on this sweltering day in June, motioned for Beth to drive off the ramp, following, though not too closely, the car in front of her. Seconds later, Beth was not on the ferry anymore. Not on the ferry, not on I-95, not in a parking garage on East 82nd Street. She was on Nantucket Island. The rotund steamship man waved at her. She could see him mouthing, Come on, lady, come on as if she were just another elegant housewife from Chappaqua. But he didn't know what had happened to her. He didn't know that along with the pierre de bags and the expensive mountain bikes, they'd brought along the urn that held her husband's ashes. Beth's forehead grew hot, her nose tingled. Here again were the tears. It was the new way she evaluated her day. On a good day, she cried only twice, in the morning shower and before her Valium kicked in at night. On a bad day, a stressful day, it was like this, without warning, in front of the kids, while she was driving, in traffic, tears assaulting her like a migraine. Mom, Winnie said. She'd slept for most of the drive and the ferry ride, and now she gazed out the window as they cruised past the bike shops, the ice cream parlor, the sunken ship on the corner, the whaling museum, the Dreamland Theater. People were everywhere, on the sidewalks, in the stores, riding bikes, eating ice cream cones, as if nothing bad could happen, as if nothing could hurt them. Meanwhile, Beth negotiated the traffic surprisingly well at full sob. Mom, Winnie said again, touching her mother's leg. But what else could she say? Winnie pulled the neck of her sweatshirt up over her nose and inhaled. It was her father's old raggedy Princeton sweatshirt, which he'd worn often, sometimes to the gym in their building, and it smelled like him. Of all their father's clothes, the sweatshirt had smelled the most like him, and so that was what Winnie took. She'd worn it every day since he died, ninety-three days ago. Winnie tried to convince herself that it still smelled like him, but his smell was fading, much the way her father's vivid, everyday presence in her mind was fading. She couldn't remember the whole of him, only bits and pieces, the way he loosened his tie when he walked into the apartment at the end of the day, the way he ate a piece of pizza folded in half, the way he fidgeted with a twig when he told her and Garrett the facts of life one warm and very embarrassing autumn afternoon in strawberry fields. Why hadn't her mother done the talk? When he had asked her mother that question a few weeks after the memorial service, now that Daddy was dead, certain topics could be broached, And Beth said simply, Your father wanted to do it. He considered it one of the joys of parenting. A whole life lived, and all Winnie would be left with were snippets, a box of snapshots. She breathed in, listening to the atonality of her mother's sobs as if it were bad music. The sweatshirt no longer smelled like her father. Now it smelled like Winnie. The rover bounced up Main Street, which was paved with cobblestones. Garrett shifted uneasily in his seat and checked for the hundredth time on the urn, which was a solid, silent presence between him and Marcus. It was embarrassing to have his mom losing it with a stranger in the car. Beth kept Garrett awake at night with her crying, and he had a weird sense of role reversal, like she was the kid and he was the parent, the man of the house now. And Winnie, well... Winnie was even worse than his mother, wearing that sweatshirt every day since March 16th, every day, to school over her uniform, to sleep even. 
and when he refused to eat. She looked like a Holocaust victim, a person with anorexia. And yet these two loonies were far preferable company to the individual sitting next to him. Garrett couldn't believe their bad luck. The last thing Arch had done, practically before his plane went down, was to invite Marcus Tyler to Nantucket. Not for a week, not for a month, but for the entire summer. And since a dead man's words were as good as law, they were stuck with Marcus. Your father invited him to come along, Beth said. We can't exactly back out. Yeah, Winnie said. Daddy invited him. Garrett tried to talk to his mother about it, using the most powerful words he had at his disposal. The words of their therapist, Dr. Shao, whom they all saw together and separately. We need to heal this summer, Garrett said. As a family. Your father...